I tell you what, that was some good singing right there. Woo, boy. If that, if that doesn't get you going. I love this part, right? I love this part when I first get up, because what, what it occurs to me is that you've already won, right? You had so many options this morning. You, you could have slept in. You could have made pancakes. You could have streamed some really killer stuff on Netflix. You could have done a thousand things, but you woke up and you put on pants and you brushed your teeth and you got in your car and you drove and you're sitting in this church and you're ready. And that's like 98.73% of the battle, I think. So uh, my name is Trent Smith uh, and I lead the uh, No Walls Worship Service. We've been meeting first and third Sundays over at the Crystal Creek Distillery where Laura's at today. And I'm just so honored to be with you here today. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about uh, No Walls. It's funny because when we started this thing a couple years ago, we didn't really know what it was, (laughs) right? And I don't know that I really know now what it is, but I have a couple of ideas that get me excited. Um, One idea that gets me excited is that Jesus didn't have a mortgage, right? Do y'all understand that? Um, What Jesus did is he went from place to place to other people's sacred spaces, other people's tabernacles. He went to the side of the mountain. He got into a boat uh, by the water to the fishing camp, and he spread the gospel that way. Uh, And that really gets me excited is that Jesus didn't have a mortgage. Um, The other thing that gets me really excited is that what we do is really simple. Um, We don't take role. Uh, We don't have membership per se. (laughs) Folks just come, and we play music and we give encouraging words. And what I tell folks all the time is here's the goal. The goal is for you to walk out of here today more encouraged than when you walked in. And if that doesn't happen, that's my fault, not your fault. I'll take it. I'll own it. But that's the goal for you today is to be more encouraged than when you walked in. And here's the other thing that gets me excited. I think we all know somebody. We all know somebody who... Maybe it's been hurt by church, or maybe they have ideas about what church is and what it isn't, and I think we all know somebody who may not be comfortable for one reason or another to walk into these kind of walls, so why don't we go outside of these walls and talk to folks there? Um, it's been uh, one of the most gratifying and joyful things in my life, and I'm so grateful that I get to do it. And it's not lost on me that I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to do this without y'all. Um, so I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for this church and to be part of it. And thank y'all for being uh, with me today. All right, I'm going to do a message on uh, what I've been doing a message on a lot at, at No Walls is on the parables. Right? I love the parables because they're the stories that Jesus told, right? And if you want to understand the man, if you want to understand the man, understand the stories that he told. So that's where I'm going to dig into. Will we all pray with me? God, we love you and you are awesome. And um, we're just amazed. I'm amazed that I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs and, and legs that work and a heart that beats and a brain that functions and can think and can make sense of the world around me. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And I just want to say thank you for that gift, God. And God, I also want to invite you here. Uh, I want to say that we expect your presence to be here. We expect to feel you moving in the room. And the reason why we can expect that is because we know, we know you're here. 
You're here in this room. You're here in these walls. You're going to be here with us in the car. You're going to be with us tonight when we're taking a bath. God, and we just love you for that, and, and we expect you to be moving in this room. God, I want to say thank you for every single person that's here. Um, thank you for their soul, for their life, for their gifts. Um, thank you for bringing them here to this space for this divine and sacred moment. If somebody walked in hurting God, will you see that hurt? Will you help us see it when we're in conversation with one another and help us either mourn um, or be sad or cry or just give a hug or just say the, bring the right words to our mouth, God, so that we can be an encouragement to the people around us, Lord. And lastly, God, I want to I give this moment to you. Um, what I want to ask is that you'll get me out of the way right, that, that this will be about more than words, more than a prepared message, more than anything clever that I could come up with, that this moment will be yours, Lord. I surrender it all to you. We pray these things in your precious son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So some of y'all know that uh, I work for a bank, and I've worked for a bank for a long time. I've worked for this bank for about 18 years, and Somewhere in the middle of that 18 years, I was a corporate trainer. About three years of that time, I was teaching classes. And one of the classes I taught was this course called Managing and Coaching for Premier Performance. And that sounded like a cool class. Uh, but it was a three-day-long class. And y'all, here is the absolute truth. Three days of me is way too much me for even me, okay? But it was a cool class. I loved it. I don't know who put that slide up there. That's weird. Um, but, uh, but I taught these corporate classes, and then I've been doing this for a while. I've been teaching these classes, and they started asking me to develop custom training, right? So there would be a need in one of our markets, and they would say, we don't have any curriculum for this. Will you write the curriculum and then go travel around and teach it to people? And so I did that. So I was on one of these trips, right? I'm, I'm, I've written some curriculum. I'm out training to people, and I'm in Lubbock, Texas, okay? And you gave a grimace, like... What's wrong with Lubbock? <laughs> anyway, we'll talk later. We'll pray about it. Uh, but I'm in Lubbock, Texas, and it was a bit of a unique situation because this was, uh, it was a new set of people. I hadn't been to Lubbock before. It was brand new curriculum to me. Um, this was, for the first time, a group of people that were a level senior than I had been used to training. And so I was feeling some of the nerves, you know, I was like, oh, new situation. And, but I get up there, I'm teaching the class, things are going pretty good. I feel like I'm laying it down, right? Like, this is good stuff. But there was this person, like, right where you're sitting right there in the back left, and she was just hating on me. I mean, listen, like, you do this thing in class where you're trying to get people participating, you're trying to facilitate, you're asking questions, and no matter what I tried she would not respond. I mean, so I'm over here, this class, this part of the room's participating, everybody's being great, this up here is doing great. This woman right here, like looking down, won't make eye contact with me. Um, and it's not just that, I, I'm talking, I'm trying to get over there. She's also like leaning over and whispering stuff. Oh, and I'm like, oh, does she, is this really that bad? Do I have a bug in the nose? Like what is, <laughs> what is going on? And so I started to get nervous. Like this one person in the back of the room was starting to get at me. Like she's beaming at me like, you don't know what you're talking about. 
And so I start to rush, right? I was doing that thing where you wouldn't know I was nervous except I was holding papers and the papers were like... And so I start rushing through slides. It's all I want to do is just sit down and be done with this stinking class and figure out what is wrong with you. So I, session's over, it's fine, and I'm sitting down, I'm talking with a friend of mine. She's the consultant who brought me in to do this class. And she said, Trent, how do you think it went? It was fine, it was good, yeah, fine, good audience, loved it. And then she's a friend, right, so I broke and I go, you know what, there was this woman <laughs> in the back of the room and she was not participating and she must be a terrible manager and what a horrible person and... Right? And I was being ugly, right? I was being defensive and nasty. And my friend, she's looking at me, and she's got this look, which is like a mix of hesitancy and pity, but also like this, she's about to give me some grace. She goes, Trent, that's Barbara. And um, what you don't know about Barbara is she comes from a really small town, and this is a really uncomfortable situation for her. She's deathly shy. And I wish, Trent, I wish you could see her notebook because she took pages and pages of notes. She was writing down almost everything you said. And she wanted so badly to come and say to you, thank you for being in Lubbock. But she was even too shy to come up and one-on-one -on -one and say, thank you for being in Lubbock. She said, you don't understand. We don't get visitors from the corporate office in Lubbock very often. And so just to have you here, it was a giant deal for us. Now, I want to tell you a story um, that Jesus told. And I've heard this story told in a bunch of different ways. This is a very popular parable of Jesus's. Jesus's, Jesus' eye, Jesus, Jesus's. Um, very popular story. And I've heard it preached as a, a lesson on gifts and how to use your gifts and what happens if you don't use your gifts, and that's a good read. Um, I've heard it preached as a lesson on how God judges us. And I've also even heard it teached as evidence of the prosperity gospel. Do you know what the prosperity gospel is? In short, prosperity gospel is if you love Jesus enough, you will be beautiful and rich. And listen, listen, I, I am not smart enough to tell you that any of those three reads are right or wrong. I'm just not. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a pastor. But there was this part in this parable that just, it just screams at me. And it, and it happens to me sometimes. I'm reading through scripture and I see a part and it goes, oh, Trent, this is the part. Tell people about this part. Maybe they haven't seen it, but you'll have fun talking about this part. So I want to read you this story. This is uh, Matthew, and we're going to be in uh, Matthew 25. I'm going to read you from 14, I think, through 27. It's the parable of the three servants. And I'm in the Good News translation. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. At that time, Jesus was always either telling us what God is like or telling us what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like in these stories. So at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. He said, once there was a man who was about to leave home on a trip. He called his servants and he put them in charge of his property. He put his servants in charge of his property. He gave to each one according to his ability. To one he gave 5,000 gold coins. To another he gave 2,000 gold coins. And then to another he gave 1,000 gold coins. Then he left on his trip. 
The servant who had received the 5,000 gold coins, he went at once, he invested the money, and he earned another 5,000. In the same way, the servant who had received 2,000 coins earned another 2,000. But the last servant, the servant who had received the 1,000 coins, he went off, and y'all, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, this is verse 19. After a long time, the master came back and settled accounts with them. The servant who had received the 5,000 coins came in, and he handed over the 5,000. He said, you gave me 5,000 coins, sir. He said, look, exclamation point, here, another 5,000 that I have earned. The master says, well done, you good and faithful servant, exclamation point. You have been faithful in managing small amounts, so I will put you in charge of long, large amounts. Come in and share in my joy, exclamation point. Then the servant who had been given 2,000 coins came in. He said, you gave me 2,000 coins, sir. Look, here are another 2,000 that I have earned. Master says, well done, you good and faithful servant, exclamation point. You have been faithful with managing small amounts, so I will put you in charge of large amounts. Come in and share in my joy, exclamation point. Then the servant who had received 1,000 coins came in and he said, Sir, I know you to be a hard man. You reap harvests where you did not plant and you gather crops where you did not scatter seed. I was afraid. So I went off and I hid your money in the ground. Look, here's what belongs to you. His master said, you knew, did you, that I reap harvests where I did not sow? You knew that I gather crops where I did not scatter seed? Question mark. Well then, you should have, had, you should have deposited my money in the bank, and I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. This is the word of God for the people of God. All right. Reader's Digest version. Three dudes, um, all given money. Two of them did a good job. One of them screwed up huge. And what I want to get at in this message is what exactly the screw up was. But first I want you to see a couple things. One, there is banking in this story. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man, there is banking in this story. This is right up my alley. Did you catch that part at the end where, where the master goes, you could have just put it in the bank, <laughs> and you would have earned interest. Y'all, if you have any gold coins laying around, I'm a banker. We have this really good new money interest rate. Y'all bring it. We'll put it. We'll... But, uh... There's banking in this story, but the reason I want you to know there's banking in this story is not just because I'm geeking out about banking. It points to the absurdity of this parable. Most of Jesus' stories that he told, most of the parables were meant to catch people's attention. There was something absurd about them. Y'all, I think we forget that Jesus was a radical, right? You do not crucify, you do not whip, you do not pay off an informant to drag a man into 
into court because he's saying nice and lovely things. You do that because he's saying things that are getting people's attention. And so what is he saying in this story? There was a master of a vast property who decided to leave town, and he gave all of his stuff to his servants. He put them in charge. He said, I want to be in partnership with you. I want to do this with you. I trust you. Take these gold coins and y'all do with it what you think is right. Remember, we started this parable. Let's not let this get lost. Let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven will be like. The servant in partnership and relationship with the master. Here's the second thing I want you to see. This was not a small amount of money, okay? There was the 1,000 coins, the 2,000 coins, and the 5,000 coins. And in the translation I read, it's called gold coins. But in other translations, it's called a talent. Now, a talent was a kind of a banking term. It was a market term. It was a unit of measurement. It was roughly equivalent to something like 75 pounds worth of goods, okay? Now, there's a lot of different ways to come up with a value on these coins, but if we just did the simple, simple thing, and most scholars will agree that this was a ridiculous amount of money, the 1,000 gold coins, just using today's um, gold values, would be worth something like $1.3 million. And then the 5,000 gold coins, over $7 million. This is an absurd amount of money for a master to be giving to his servants. And y'all, <laughs> the last servant buried $1.3 million in the ground. Leaf, if you bury $1.3 million in the ground, we are not inviting you back. Not to the barbecue, not to church, not to nothing. This is an absurd amount of money. But that's not the mistake. That's not the crucial core mistake. Now, I want you to see from the servant's angle. The servant is back. He's watching these other two servants come through. The master is saying, well done, you good and faithful servant. Come in, exclamation point, share in my joy, share in my happiness. And I think the servant probably approached nervously. I think the servant came up to the master and he said, master when, master, when I think about you, the picture I have in my head of you, I see a thief. You reap where you, do not, where you have not planted seed. You harvest where you have not been involved in the crop. You expect too much of us. I was afraid of you. I thought you were cruel. I thought you were cruel. Y'all, and then the master's first response, the master's very first response was not what your first response is. It's not what your first response, it's not what my first response would have been. Y'all, my first response would have been, you buried $1.3 million in the ground? 
The master didn't start there. He said, you think I'm a thief? You think I reap where I didn't plant seed? You think you don't see how much I've invested in you? You don't understand how deeply I want you to enter into this happiness, to enter into this joy, to be part of this kingdom. You don't see how desperately I wanted to be your partner. You thought I was cruel. And y'all, that, I think, is the critical failure. That's the crucial mistake, is this mindset. I believe that is the sun around which this universe and this parable rotates. You thought I was cruel. In that decision, in that mindset that the master is cruel, came the fear, came the decision to bury it in the ground. And so in some ways, I believe this parable is about mindsets, right? It's our deep, fundamental belief about who the master is, what this kingdom is all about. Here's what I know. Go out into the world looking for ugliness, you'll find it. Go out into the world looking for grace and peace and love and kindness and understanding, and I promise you, you'll find it. But I also think it's about small shifts, right? It's, it's about shifting this simple thing over of the master is cruel or the master is kind. The master is cruel or the master is kind. My, um, my partner in No Walls Worship is John Kent. You all have seen him play. know that he is just gifted beyond all measure. And um, he was telling me this story. John likes to go on long juice cleanses. He's gone like 25 days on juice cleanses. I think longer than that. So John knows juice, okay? <laughs> but he was telling me this story about, hey, one of those lemon juicers, you know those ones that kind of press lever down like this? And he called me one day, and he's like so excited. He's like, I realized I've been putting the lemon in the wrong way. And I don't even know, I don't know if it's supposed to be cut side up or cut side down, but dude, he was so lit up about, I turned it the other way, so much more juice. <laughs> Small shifts, right? Small shifts. Master is kind, the master is cruel. Let's get that lemon turned the right side. Y'all remember Barbara? Okay. Barbara, who I thought hated me, but Barbara was just taking good notes, right? And I learned from that, right? I don't know if I learned it right away, but I learned it over time, is that when I would see somebody in the classroom that looked like they were hating me and they were, looked like they were being cruel, um, I learned to just go find out what was going on during break, right? Like, I remember I was in this one class, it's similar, three days of me is too much me for me, and we're on day two and a half, and this dude is just like, ugh. And so I pulled him aside in class and said, man, you haven't been real responsive. I, I ain't judging, just like, what, what's going on? And he goes, man, to be honest with you, he, was, he had been a manager at another bank for a long time and had a wealth of knowledge. And here we're throwing all this new terminology at. And so that was starting to get him a little disengaged, right? And he didn't feel like he fit in and didn't speak the... And I said, oh, man, the language doesn't matter, right? Like, we just want to hear about your experiences. And then... The whole second half of that afternoon, he just started talking and engaging. And y'all, the whole experience in that classroom changed because of a little shift in this guy's behavior. 
And I, I know all this sounds silly, right? Lemon juicers and classrooms and <laughs> um, Lubbock, Texas. We'll talk. But here's, here's what I know. Um, whatever this is, whatever this is, this universe, our DNA swirling, our dark matter, the, whatever this is, we are all beans, right? We're all beans in this soup. Cody, I think you're a noodle. And we got a simple, fundamental choice to make. Is the master kind or is the master cruel? I think the master's kind. Y'all pray with me. God, we love you, and uh, we're just so thankful to have this place. Somebody, somebody found Spicewood, right? Somebody found Spicewood, and somebody bought some land, and somebody said, maybe there could be a church here. And then some other people found Spicewood, and they said, maybe we could live here. Maybe we could start a church here. And Lord, years and years and years ago, that decision got made through your divine touch, your divine intervention, Lord, and, and here we are <laughs> to be around each other, to love on each other, encourage one another, and then try, try to let that spill out into the community. And it's amazing. It is uh, an amazing thing that you've given us, this thing that we get to do, this community we get to be a part of, God. Lord, sometimes it's easy to make that other decision, to get the lemon turned the wrong way and think to ourselves, man, this is too much. You're, you're hard. You're a, you're a tough master. God, all I know is that you are desperate for us to enter into your happiness, into your joy. God, we love you. We praise you. And we pray all these things in your son's name. We call him Jesus.